Podcast. Uh, we are very exo- exhausted uh, and very excited uh, and happy to join you post draft. Uh, I am Landon McCool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also find me on the Locked On Cowboys podcast with Marcus Mosier. And I am joined, as always, by my co host, uh, Dallas Morning News contributor John Owning. John, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? You guys know where to find me on Twitter at John Owning, J O H N O W N I N G. Make sure you guys are reading all of my draft content over at the Dallas Morning News, over at DallasNews.com slash sports slash cowboys. And yeah, I'm exhausted, yet ecstatic. Very, very, very happy with what transpired over the weekend. Yeah, it's 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 really it's shocking, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, I think we go every year we do this and, and we get ourselves hyped up for these prospects and and we just inevitably are setting ourselves up for for uh, uh, just complete disappointment because the, the team will see these players differently or you know they just will draft more for need or it's just and this year everything fell exactly and not even exactly better than we could have hoped uh I mean, obviously, we are going to be talking about the draft class. I, I, I'm just jumping right in because we're this is not going to be a very long pod because we are exhausted and we are going to keep grinding away at not only this draft class but this UDFA class as well. Um, I, uh, I I'm just I could I mean I could not be more excited. I, I think this is the most excited, and I think Jerry said it as well. This is the most excited I've been about a draft class. You know, the day after the draft. Since 2005, I just think that uh, uh, you know the 2016 class is obviously going to go down as one of the best in history. Uh, but I think that at the time you weren't sure about a lot of these picks. Uh, John, tell me how you feel. But walking away from this class, I mean, uh, this is the best class that I've been. I think that the Cowboys have drafted, and uh, I felt about the day after. Do you do you agree there? Yeah, I mean, I think it was an egg. An A grade draft. They filled holes. They got good value at each spot. They really just the way it just went. It went about as well as you as you could ever hope for. I mean, the guys fell to the spots that they needed them to fall to. The just at every turn, it seemed like things were going the Cowboys' way at every at every time. You know, Trayvon Diggs didn't go before fifty one. CeeDee Lamb falling all the way to 17. Bradley and Nice lasting all the way to the late fifth. All these different things. It's just, it's so, it's, I just, I just can't, personally can't remember a draft that just where everything seemed to fall the Cowboys way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a combination of, of fantastic drafting and, and great luck. I mean, I think. It's hard to ignore. Uh, I think you know, we, I saw several people after the the draft trying to figure out what it was. Was it Jerry on the yacht? Was it was it Garrett being gone? Uh, was it Mike McCarthy? I, I think you know. Uh, I think it was probably a confluence of several things. I mean, luck is a heavy factor, 
Uh, I think that the Cowboys clearly have leaned in a little bit more with uh, uh, you know analytics and and uh, how that. Uh, lays out the draft for you and trying to find the, the, the hot spots of the positions in order to get value. I, I think that there's clearly been a, a further leaning into that with Mike McCarthy uh, and the analytics department. Uh, but I, I just think that, you know, the Cowboys did a great job of, of identifying value and then not, you know, drafting away from it when things like CeeDee Lamb fell into their lap. So let's get into it. We'll go real quick, pick by pick, uh, and then we will uh, get out of here, and, and I promise we will get back with a very in-depth. Uh, we have we got lots of time. <laughs> There's yeah. not going to be a lot of Cow- Cowboys news probably going on for a little bit, so we got lots of time to get into this more in depth. So let's just kind of quickly roll through these, and then obviously at some point we will come back and talk about some of these undrafted players and and, and really get into the, the the nuts and bolts about how all these players fit on the Cowboys. But uh, starting at the top. You know, this is our first time on the pod to discuss our thoughts about the Cowboys getting C.D. Lamb. I mean, you know, I don't know that. I think that there was a time in this process where I, uh, I, I went through the the kind of thought exercise of of what happens if one of these guys that we we're not expecting falls to us, right? I, I and I think mm-hmm. all of us kind of go through that where we're like. Okay, who's the guy that we're not expecting that could show up somehow at 17? I, I don't know that I could have drawn up a scenario where I felt like C.D. Lamb was going to make it all the way to 17. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I can't believe that he was the third wide receiver taken off the board, you know? Um, what was your thoughts when it, it started becoming... You know, I would say well, San Francisco was when it became real for me. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was what was the, what was the moment when you started realizing that it could happen, and then when you realized it did happen, what were your what were your immediate thoughts? Yeah, it was the same thing after it was after the 49ers pick. I honestly thought there, I didn't think that there was a chance that the 49ers were going to pass on him. But when they did, I was like, oh, oh my, oh my God, he's gonna. He's gonna make it the 17 as long as I, as long as the Eagles don't trade up. That was that was the only thing I was worried about was the Eagles trading up with maybe the Falcons at 16. But thank thank God the Falcons really really loved AJ Terrell and they stuck and made that pick. And when they made that pick, I was just filled with euphoria. You know, the Cowboys getting an alpha receiver, a guy who dominates at the catch point, who is special. special special with the ball in his hands after the catch he makes people miss he's shows incredible vision great bounce he's just so slippery in tight spaces in open space he could do everything his route running ability is is pretty refined for where he is right now he still needs to improve obviously need he rounds some of his cuts he's a little inefficient coming out of some of his breaks out of hard angle cuts but for his age coming out of college he's he's advanced there and i think he's just has number one receiver like ability and I think you're gonna he's gonna carve out a really big role in the Cowboys offense sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean I think it's you know, someone was asking me how does he fit into the Cowboys offense and I, I was like, well, I mean you start redrawing the Cowboys offense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like that's he, he's that type type of player. I mean that it's not of how does he fit or is he the slide? I mean, it's like oh, you've got CD Lamb. How do we exploit that? That's the new offense. It's like now we have Cooper and Lamb and, and Gallup. That's the that's the exploiting offense. So yeah. uh, 
I think he he comes right in and you start feeding him a whole bunch of plays. I mean, I think one of the best things we heard yesterday, the last few days, is uh, Mike McCarthy talking about how Kellen Moore uh, has started drawing up plays. Yeah, Saturday morning. For Saturday morning, they were drawing up stuff. So I I think that's you know that it's not a question at all of of how he fits. It's it's look at this new offense we got. We got CD Lamb, and you know I think and I was talking to to Marcus about this on the Locked On Show. The thing that really made this pick so fantastic is the fact that you turn around at 51 and you get Trayvon Diggs mm-hmm. somehow falling into your lap. at A guy that, I mean, I would have been satisfied if we had to pick him at 17. You know, yeah. if we got, if we got you know, wiped out and we had no other choices, I had, had prepared myself for the idea that Trayvon Diggs, you know, hopefully... Hey, we did it in the mock, though. We did it in our mock yep. before. Picked yep, him at 51. Did. And he fell all the way. And we talked about how we didn't necessarily think that was realistic. Um, so I, I think and, – and I even think that Jerry said specifically that the analytics team told him that – and I, I don't think that was just an offhand comment. I, yeah. The analytics team told him that he they had a 1, 1% chance that Trayvon Diggs falls to them at 51. So, you know, again, it's sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that Trayvon Diggs going to the Cowboys at 51 – it, you know the risk that you have at CD Lamb is that you take a wide receiver and you don't have a way to fix the glaring need at cornerback, but you get Trayvon Diggs at fifty one. And again, he's not you know he's not fixing the. I'm not saying that it's oh it's all solved, but you but you are able to plug in a solution there that is as good as you had hoped to get at seventeen while still getting the incredible uh, superstar value that you got with CD Lamb following at seventeen. So. Uh, what were your thoughts on 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 Trayvon Diggs falling to fifty one, and, and just your thoughts on Trayvon Diggs overall? I was really happy to get Trayvon Diggs there, you know, just to be able to get somebody from that cluster of five cornerbacks after the top two at fifty one was was I think the one of the things I was hoping for most going into the draft because I really going in I really thought the Cowboys were going to pick Chase on, so I was really hoping at fifty one that one of those cornerbacks can last. And the fact that it was Trayvon Diggs is really exciting because he's honestly the highest upside of all the guys, given his inexperience, given his size, his length, just his ball skills, his leaping ability. All of those things just give him upside that's through the roof. You know, he still needs to work on his transitions a little bit. He's a little bit stiff-tipped. You have a little bit worries about his deep, long speed, but just his ability to bully at the line of scrimmage, his zone awareness, his ability to pick up and route combinations, his ability to play within his scheme, not ruin his assignment. He's very disciplined. It's just it's an exciting move for the Cowboys and gives them a true bona fide boundary corner to help them start replacing Byron Jones. Yeah, and I think it was really just just unbelievable. And that's when we really felt like this was draft was going to be something special. I mean, the Cowboys probably could have walked out of there with CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, and then drafted Chalk and, and done fine with, with me, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know, And then the third round for them to get Neville Gallimore. I mean, I think at the time... Uh, I was I. There were three or four people that I probably wanted more that were mm-hmm. on the board, mm-hmm. but I think you know getting Neville Gallimore in the third round at, at eighty two is incredible value. I think yeah. and, 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 and what he can do for you immediately, 
it's, it, I think he can immediately come in and give you something, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that he's a refined product by any stretch of the imagination. I think that if he can learn some some flexibility in his lower body, maybe yep. he can kind of help with changing his change direction a little bit. Maybe he can help with his pad level. But I think that what you're going to get immediately is a guy who will get through a gap, uh, will cause you know pressures that way, at least making the quarterback have to adjust and maybe running into Demarcus Lawrence while doing so. Uh, but I think at the very immediately he is going to help disrupt run schemes. I mean, I think he will be a good run player for you as a under tackle pretty soon, uh, while he's developing the ability to uh, finish the play behind the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher. I guess is the way I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know when Neville Gallimore in the third round is the is the pick that you're least excited about in the draft. <laughs> that's when you know yeah. you did well. Yeah. You know. Um, it's interesting. It's funny. Going into the draft, I wasn't a big fan of Gallimore, mainly because everybody was talking how he was going to go high second, high to mid-second round, and I just thought that yeah. was too high for him given his given his struggles, given the stiffness in his hips, his inability to redirect in the backfield to, to finish his disruption um, that he causes. But in the third round, yeah. man, I'll, I will take that. Just, just even without – Think it even with all the stiffness and all that, just his pass rush potential. The guy with his upfield burst, his explosiveness, his lateral quickness, gives him just a. He's just oozing with upside as a as a pass rusher. He has a really well developed primary move in his jab club arm over that he really uses to just blow open corners and pierce the pocket and attack the QB. He's has an ascending, I would say, spin move. That's it's still it's. It's inconsistent right now, but it sh- when he hits it, when he does it with fluidity and he chops down the hands and he ice picks the finish, it's really, really nice. And you could see the upside there, how that could be a really good move for him based off his speed and quickness off the snap. But yeah, I, I agree with a lot of things you said. I think he get, his initial quickness will allow him to be um, disruptive against the run immediately, especially against zone. It's going to be really hard for guards to, to reach him. To cross his face and hook him because just because of how quick he is upfield and how yep. how twitched up his get off is just it's just going to be really hard. And one thing I also wanted to say about him is I really think he's a three technique in this defense. I've seen some speculation yeah. talk about him being a nose tackle just because he played that at Oklahoma. No. That's not something you want to let him do. He's going to get completely blowed open by double teams. He just doesn't have the the technique or quite the lower body strength to really strain against doubles right now. He plays yeah. too high too, so he doesn't play with the proper leverage. So yeah, I think he's a three technique in this class. Be uh, um, be a reserve behind Gerald McCoy and really compete with Tristan Hill moving forward. That's going to be an intriguing competition because like we were talking about yesterday in the DMs, Tristan Hill is still a year younger than Gallimore, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, 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 a couple things. One, I think that Hill and Gallimore may be similarly talented players at this point. So mm-hmm. right. The, I mean, the, the Hill, funny thing is, they're different. They both have that upfield explosion, yeah. but Hill's a lot more flexible. He has a lot more ability yeah. to redirect. But I would say that Gallimore is more upper body powerful. He has more uh, juice in his hand technique a little bit, in his hands, just behind his hands a little bit. But I would also say his hands are more powerful. He he redirects the balance of offensive linemen so much better than Tristan Hill does. So it's going to be intriguing to see how yeah, better. it's going to be yeah. intriguing to see how their different skill sets play in this scheme and who comes out really the winner in that hopefully training camp battle. 
Yeah, I, my hope at this point is that Tristan Hill has gotten a lot better over the over the mm-hmm. summer. I'm not completely ruling him out, and that these two guys, you know, are, are part of a really good rotation until one of them kind of starts to take the job a little bit more. I I, I look at this as a three man rotation with, uh, with uh, I took totally blanked on the guy that we signed Tristan Hill. From oh, Joe McCoy. Joe McCoy. Uh, <laughs> I'm really all the names have really started to overload my brain. Man, how happy was he the first two days too with two Oklahoma dudes coming to <laughs> coming to Dallas? He was hyped. Yeah, he was hyped. <laughs> that video was funny. Um, I, I one more thing on Gallimore because I think you and I have suffered from the same thing here. When we talked about Gallimore pre-draft or during the draft, yeah, pre-draft, uh, you know, it was always kind of in the context, like you mentioned, of taking him at fifty-one, and it was always kind of in the. Well, these are the reasons why I, I don't want him at 51. And this mm-hmm. is, these are the reasons why I, I, I think it's a reach at 51. In mm-hmm. the context of taking him at 82, it completely flips the math there, right? Yeah. You're, I mean, like, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll take a chance at this guy's traits at 82. It's just uh-huh. at 51, it felt like a little bit too rich because he is kind of has a little ways to go to reach his ceiling. Uh, but I think at 82, you're like you're happy to get any kind of contribution at 82, right? From a player, I mean that's 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 you hope that that guy can give you something, but you don't know for sure. Uh, and I think that's what Gallimore is right now. He can give you snaps. He will give you good quality snaps as a third rounder, and then you hope that you can reach that ceiling with with, with some of with some of the rest of his traits. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a really big thing in the conversation here is that. You know, there's a difference between defending him at defending why you don't like him at 51 versus explaining why you do like him at 82, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally agree. And and feeling uh, moving along in this draft. Speaking of, you know, it's funny, two Oklahoma guys and then a guy from Tulsa, right? The, the <laughs> state, state of Oklahoma really, uh, really uh-huh. shining this this uh, this draft day. But Reggie Robinson uh, in the fourth round at pick 123, cornerback uh, from Tulsa. I love this pick, man. I mean, this is this is Marcus Mosier's pet cat, and I'm, I'm yep. not trying to. Shouts out to Marcus. <laughs> but I love this guy. I mean, I love the way he plays. I love the way uh, he. You know, I think that there's some people that were saying, you know, three years from now, Reggie Robinson could come in here potentially and 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 uh, be a uh, starter over Diggs. I think you're greatly discounting how much Diggs is going to improve yeah. in the next three years. Yeah. But I, I, like I said on, on the other pod, I do think that it's realistic to think that those are your two starting corners mm-hmm. in three years. I mean, I think that those Robinson has that kind of talent to develop into a very, very solid number two, uh, play cornerback in this league, uh, big, long, physical, extremely, uh, extending, ascending player, um, what were your thoughts on, on on Tulsa cornerback Reggie Robinson? Yeah, this is another really high upside, exciting pick. You know, six one two zero five. That's two six one two zero five corners in the Cowboys secondary now. Al Harris was talking about how he really likes physical corners who can challenge at the catch point. I think that really epitomizes what Reggie Robinson is. He's a guy who's strong, physical at the line of scrimmage. I mean, just. Anytime anybody asks me about Reggie Wallace, I just say turn on the Oklahoma State yeah. tape and watch him against Tylen Wallace, who's going to be, a lot of people say, a top 20 pick next year. He yep. led all of college football on 20-plus yard catches. And I think, what did it, oh yeah, Reggie Robinson held him, held everybody to two catches for 16 yards. It, it was it just master, and it was just masterful at the line of scrimmage. He was widening releases. He was disrupting the timing of routes. He was being physical, staying on top of routes. He was challenging the catch point. He was 
he was uh, tightening throwing windows. He had an impressive interception where he against a smash concept where he w- they tried to hold him at the line of scrimmage, but he got depth, got an impressive yep. interception. That was it was just a masterful masterful performance for against him, and something that you need to see from a guy from Tulsa against a small school competition, going against really high caliber competition, and really showing well. You know, I'm just I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in this scheme. Just like anything else, obviously, as a fourth round, he needs a lot of refinement in his game, especially his transitions. I was really happy to see in the post in the post draft press conference that he, when he was talking with Jeff Cavanaugh and the guys, that he was really honest with his self evaluation of yeah. where he needs to improve about how he gets too high in his transitions, and that was literally taken word for word out of my my pre draft report on him. He gets too high coming out of transitions, which causes him to be kind of lose his balance and really inhibits his acceleration on vertical routes. And I think that's a big reason people question his long speed. It wasn't because of just his ability to run. It's because his transitions, transitions were a little bit clunky yeah. and that caused him to play from a lessened athletic state stance. I, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I totally think that. And I love that he had that list ready too. Mm-hmm. By the way. Uh, one thing I'll point out is I thought that was really interesting that Mike McCarthy had brought out. And I thought this isn't a shot at Byron Jones, but I think this is kind of helps you explain understand a little bit more their strategy here is that he talked about how he doesn't that have getting a cornerback who doesn't uh who's who's throwing is who's getting in tight coverage is not enough Mm -hmm. is that you want to scare the quarterback from throwing the football that Mm -hmm. way you want guys out there who are actually going to get their hands on passes and take it the other way and you know not for not i mean I, i think you look at what Byron Jones is able to do, and I, I thought that it was really interesting that they tweet that someone was tweeted this out the other day, and they, were, they pointed out the numbers and how his tight coverage numbers and everything, how impressive they were. I, I think that the other part of that that tweet that was that was people were missing was the you know the QB rating when they when they actually did throw the ball his way, and I think that that's the thing that's different is that they want guys who are getting that are denying the football that are getting their hands on football. It's just a different way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that there's you know there's more than one way to skin a cat. I think if you're going to try to go after the quarterback and force quick throws, you want guys who are getting after the football. If you are expecting the, 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 you know, the coverage to, t- to create coverage sacks, you want guys to make the quarterback look around and continue to look the other way. Uh, so I, I thought that was just an interesting nugget that was included by McCarthy and, and shows you kind of just – the slight but subtle difference that means, you know, hey, I, we love this guy, but I, you know, based on the way that we're playing coverage, I don't know that we want to pay him eighteen million dollars a year to, yeah. to do this. So, um, next pick uh, was a trade up back into the fourth round. This was an interesting one. Yeah, and and I thought that it was it was one of those things where we had talked about, uh, you know, whether or not they were going to think about. Uh, trading, uh, getting a a, a corner. I mean, not a corner. Uh, an interior offensive lineman in the in the uh, first ninety picks, and we we said we didn't think so uh, because of the the talent they have. They have a lot of depth there. I I like this that they, they felt like they wanted to add one more person there. They liked they liked Tyler uh, Biadish, and and they went and 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 they traded up and got him outside the the, the you know first hundred you know forty picks. Uh, they all they had to do to give it up was a next year's fifth, which you're going to have a couple of those because of comp picks that are coming in. So they really didn't give up a lot of 
of of trade capital to go up and get a guy that they like. Uh, and I like Tyler Biadish. I, I only had watched a little bit of him before the the draft when I when when uh, Frederick retired. Uh, but kind of going back last night, he was the guy that I wanted to watch the most. Uh, watched a little bit of his tape from this year. Watched a little bit of his tape from the previous year. Um, I thought that he his uh, earlier tape is outstanding. Like yeah. his like his early tape really. Twenty eighteen tape it, is impressive. Twenty eighteen his first round his first round tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a little bit of a hip issue. Uh, I think you know, but I mean, it's funny. I was ta- talking to Marcus. He, I mean, I didn't. Everyone was talking about, oh, Wisconsin center. He's Travis Frederick. No, no, no. And I was, and I was, I went into the process going, that's not the case. This isn't this guy. But you watch the game, and and he is like a uh, he is like a Frederick starter kit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's like a the same wide bodied center who I, I think has some of the same issues that I thought I saw with Frederick coming in with balance and mm-hmm. you know and some of this other stuff lunging. But, that was a big yeah, issue. With, remember, Fred? I just remember Frederick yeah. against Don Terry Poe as a rookie. He got in trouble a lot for lunging. Yeah, so that was reminding me a you lot know, about and, it. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of it is, you know, he's kind of this weird. He gets to the second level like almost too fast, mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's like, and then he gets there and he's too excited to engage instead of letting the play make the linebacker float into you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, there's a point when in zone when you need to have an understanding of where the running back is, so that you're shielding the running back from the linebacker and making the linebacker run through you, as opposed to trying to go out there and reach and grab him because you're not as athletic as that linebacker, right? Like, mm-hmm. use the flow of the play to your advantage. I thought there were times when he kind of was still trying to like go and get a guy as opposed to letting it come to him. And, I, and again, that's something that I th- felt like Frederick struggled with early. But I, I really like this pick, especially where they got it. He comes in, he'll mix it up with McGovern and Looney, uh, and now you've got a really good competition, really good depth at that interior offensive line position. What are your thoughts on Tyler Biadish? Yeah, it was a really similar to the Gallimore pick because coming into the draft, we both talked, like you were saying, I t- we both talked a lot about how selecting a, a center early would be kind of a panic pick based upon the depth that the Cowboys have and the guy, the young guys that they like there. But here in the fourth round, I, I really love the selection. I think this is a type of risk that's worth taking, I, especially given that we're going to have comp picks coming next year that are going to replace the fifth round that we spent. But yeah, you know, he's a guy, he's exciting. That 2018 tape is really, really impressive, like you were saying. And in the 2019 tape, it's still good, but you see a bit of reduction in his play strength. You see his anchor being a little bit less. You don't see him creating as much movement on contact. He still does a good job of running his feet, and he does a really, really good job of finishing defensive linemen and linebackers who are off balance. He's a really, really has some nastiness to his game. He's a, just love his finishing ability. And One thing, I love that you were talking about his ability to climb to the second level, and one thing that I really like is his ability to adjust his angles on the fly, and I think that's something that is often overlooked, but is incredibly important in the quick, fast-twitch nature, in the quick-hitting nature in between the tackles that is in the NFL. You have to be able to adjust your angles on the fly, and I think he showed an ability to do that. And, um, yeah, you know, just, he's really really good on double-teams, he Shows an ability to use torque and turn and shield defenders in the run game. Um, really good, really good snapper. 
one another yeah. thing you will see when you watch him is uh, he's constantly identifying and communicating with his offensive lineman. He's identifying fronts. He's pointing out the mic. He's set, helping set protections, set blocking schemes. Seems to be a really, really impressive and intelligent player from the center position, which is incredibly important as we've seen with Travis Frederick. So in the fourth round, this is the ki- this is the type of risk that I would like to take. I think he's someone who provides good value, has good upside for the future, and you're hoping that those play strength any f- deficiencies that he has last year will be gone now that this year he has a full offseason to to work on his strength. I mean the last the offseason last year he had hip surgery. His entire offseason was spent recovering from that. He wasn't able to add any strength or even really maintain it. So when you get behind like that it's kind of interesting and makes sense why he was a little bit more deficient in strength compared to 2018. And now I am going to basically step aside and allow you to uh, present a uh, soliloquy on the Bradley and and I pick at fifth round pick 179. Uh, I I, I mean, I can't believe that, again, it it was just more icing on the cake to get a guy like an eye in the bottom of the fifth. Unbelievable pick for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Go ahead and just give us give me your thoughts on on him and where he fits uh, on the Cowboys roster at this point. Oh, I love this. This is a great, great, great value in the late fit round. I mean, just a guy who, yes, he's doesn't have the length that you want. He has just barely over thirty two inch arms. He's not a he's a deficient athlete at the position. But he play but he has enough athleticism in the right places. I think to succeed in the NFL and be a being effective uh, part of the Cowboys defensive line rotation. You know, he possesses some of the best. He's one of the most skilled defensive ends in this class. Just his hand technique, his footwork, his rush angles. He mixes up his attack. He sequences moves together well. I mean, he just, the power in his hands, his efficient footwork to corner to make up for what he lacks in flexibility, in burst, in speed. He just... He has the tenacity. He's really disciplined against the run. He plays with his hands above his eyes. He plays with leverage. He's just one of those guys when you sit and watch, there's such an appreciation for his, for the technical aspects of his game. And I think that's why he's going to be able to translate to the NFL. I don't think he's ever going to be like a double-digit sack guy or maybe or, or, I'm not even sure he's going to be a starting caliber guy. But I think he's going to be a quality member of the Cowboys defensive line rotation for many years to come. I think initially he could be a pass rush specialist for you. Uh, and one thing I think that's interesting that he could do is he can kind of be a pass rush specialist from that Sam DPR role that's been talked yeah. about. You know, Because yeah. he showed the ability to rush from a two-point stance and to be able to put him on the side of the tight end so just in case the other team does run the ball that he only has to be that he only has to match a tight end at the point of attack instead of an offensive tackle i think that is an ideal situation for moving forward as he gains more bulk becomes more comfortable against nfl size and then i think eventually you can see him play that play that closed end that kind of guy that plays that tight heavy five or even Nolan used a lot of Ford techniques in his time with Atlanta. So I think he can play that. I, I wouldn't even honestly be surprised if you saw him play that role as a rookie, but I think the way he makes the biggest impact as a rookie would be as a pass rush specialist from that Sam DPR role. Tough, technical, physical. Yep. I mean, yep. I think those are three things that if you can, if you have those things as a defensive lineman, um, you know, I, 
and production. You know, he has that's the other thing too is that uh, the only thing he doesn't have going for him is an outstanding athletic body, which mm-hmm. is I, I mean that's a big thing when you're talking about edge defenders. But he produced at a high high level. Uh, 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 you know, I think twenty. I think twenty one sacks in the last two years uh, at uh, in the Pac twelve. You know, and I think that that's when you talk about that, and then you talk, you look at his technique. Um, you 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 see a guy that's worth taking, especially in the bottom of the fifth round. I think these guys are just as likely to produce something to give you something as the kind of flyers that people take on the super athletic, unproductive types a little bit later in the round. Uh, I just, I mean, he's fearless. This is a guy that they you know they talked about swimming with sharks and and you know just like and he's just that kind of crazy. Hawaiian dude who you know cliff jumping and I just I just think he's the got the temperament he the technique is there already to a certain degree I think that can still improve as well uh, and then maybe you get him in an NFL uh, 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 you know weight room uh, not that Utah is a small program or anything but they had some incredible players but maybe you get you change his body a little bit and you can get even a little bit more juice out of him. I love this pick. I think you know again the value is incredible. He could give you something. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like even if it's just uh, a, a rotational body while you're waiting for Randy Gregory or Alden Smith, you know, to give you some extra pass rush. Uh, getting a guy like this who is usually in a kind of a throwaway spot in the fifth round, uh, I thought was fantastic. I mean, compare this pick with Joe Jackson last year. I mean, Joe Jackson's a guy I like. I thought he showed some flashes uh, last year, but just I as think they are two, total, yeah, yeah, I mean, two totally can different caliber of players, I think, pre-draft in my evaluations of them. I think Anaya's right now better than what Joe Jackson can give you, just as yeah. in, in, from a pass rush standpoint. Yeah, so I think that's the, the value there is, is incredible, and it's hard to overstate. I mean, really, seriously, the maybe the best, you know, starting, what is it, one, two, three, five, six picks – I mean, all seven are fantastic. I have no problem with the seventh round pick. I just think it's just so impressive that uh, all the first six guys were all guys that we had known and been aware of. I mean, maybe uh, Badash is a little bit uh, uh, not as on the radar for some people, but I think uh, you know Remington Award winner. It's not like he was an unknown by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, final pick in the seventh round at two thirty one was Ben Denucci, uh, quarterback from James Madison. Uh, had taken his team all the way to the finals in the uh, lower division and, and lost to perennial <laughs> champions, uh, North Dakota State. Yep. But, I mean, this is a guy who is clearly a Mike McCarthy pick and uh, for a number of reasons. One, their personal connection between uh, Ben DiNucci and Mike McCarthy's brother, who was his coach at, uh, uh, I think, his 7th or 8th grade something, basketball uh, he was a pit kid. He went to uh, mm-hmm. Pitt, which is where Mike McCarthy got his start. And still has heavy ties to the Pittsburgh area because Mike McCarthy is from Pittsburgh himself. Uh, and the PFF ties. McCarthy has obviously been uh, tied to PFF. He spent a week at PFF before coming to the Cowboys. I think we can now also assume that they have been <laughs> peeking into a lot of PFS tools when they've been selecting their guys because yeah. it's, it seems just very obvious just based on how they fell with uh, with versus the PFF board. But Ben DiNucci is a guy that the PFF loved. I mean, he had really high grades. Uh, he's one of the best, most accurate uh, deep ball throwers that they had. 
Uh, I think it was like fourth best deep ball thrower in college football last year uh, behind Tua. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just and uh, in, in watching a little bit of tape, you watched more than I did. I just kind of watched a couple of games that I could find, uh, and I still need to go through those James Madison t- games that we've uh, that apparently uh, have access to, which is fantastic. But uh, I, I think that you see a guy that has some tools that you would be, uh, you know, willing to work with. I, I, at first, we thought this maybe was just kind of a friend of a friend pick. Uh, but I think if you look at him, um, moves, moves around in the pocket well, not afraid to throw the ball downfield, has some traits that you think might be worth, uh, uh, you know, developing a little bit. What were your thoughts on Ben DiNucci? Oh, yeah. You know, the same thing. I had the same reaction you were when they said Ben. I was kind of expecting them to, to take the Northern Arizona quarterback, Case Cookus. But yeah. when they turned it out, I was like, oh, who is this? He's a seventh-round QB. He's probably, you know, middling, really boring, not very good. But then I turned on the tape, and this guy's throwing some dimes, man. Yeah, He's making yeah. some throws. He's doing some Tony Romo. He's doing some Houdini-like escapes. He's... He's avoiding free rushers. He's making plays outside the pocket. He's scrambling. He's he's running for first downs. He's running over defenders on his way to the end zone. It's just he's a fun guy to watch, man. He has Very a lot natural. of yeah. Very natural at the position. Like, really, clearly. I mean, he's been playing the position for a long time. You can tell because he just he understands that it's it's every it takes every little thing it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's he's not afraid to get out of the pocket, break open, like you mentioned buying time in the pocket and to, to get the ball fearless, like not afraid to take a hit before he takes the throw. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I completely shocked how much fun his tape is considering he's a seventh round, you know, QB, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he has good arm talent. He can lace some throws deep. He has good touch. He varies speeds pretty well. You know, he does. He has a little bit of a gunslinger trying to fit it into some windows that are a little bit too tight. Sometimes he won't see underneath coverage. You know all those things that you see from guys that play from this small school competition. But for a guy who did play FCS against competition, I'm really intrigued by him. I saw NFL caliber traits that are worth developing, and I see why Mike McCarthy seemed a little bit giddy to get his hands on this guy. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think that there. Uh, it was. It was pleasantly surprising to 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 check out his his game. I mean, I thought he was better than that James Morgan guy who were, everybody was talking about, who's more of a statue in the pocket. I th- just I really like his ability to escape and make plays outside the structure of the offense. I think that's something that needs in today's NFL. Those kind of traits are very very important. Yeah. Okay. Last thing, um, we got a list of UDFA's. We don't have time to go through those. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name one that I like, and you name one that you like. Do you have, do you have a guy in mind, or do you need a second? Because I, I kind of sprung this on you. Um, yeah, I got, a, I got a guy. In, I, I got, yes, I got him. Okay, I just okay, need cool. the remember his name, uh, but I got a guy. Uh, my guy is uh, Shaywo Olanalulu. <laughs> uh, he is this TCU yeah. running back that they have drafted. The right? fullback. What he's gonna be a the Olawale yeah. competition? Yes, uh, <laughs> we're gonna have Olawale and Olana Lua. Olana Lua. Olana That's what it is. That's uh, Olana Lua. Uh, yeah, I, I watched a little bit of his tape. Uh, I love the way this dude runs, man. He slashes. He's got a little bit of wiggle for two thirty. I would not want to tackle this guy, and he's very natural with his hands. Like mm-hmm. catches the ball well. Uh, I think he's, he think he'd be an interesting uh, addition. Who, who's your guy? My guy, guy that really that I watched 
a ton of this year unknowingly. But he always flashed when I watched him. And I was always really intrigued by him as the Utah linebacker, Francis Bernard. This is a guy that I think has a chance to stick on the back end of the roster. He's a guy I think who can kind of, you know, push Justin March Lillard for for one of those back end of the roster spots in the linebacker position. He's an overage project prospect. He's oh, he's uh, he's old as dirt. I think he's like twenty five. But you see really good ability and coverage. You see good instincts against the run. You see his some ability to take on blocks. Just he was an intriguing player for me, and I think. I think he has some ability. He's if I had to rank the guys who have the best shot to find a spot on the roster, I would put him toward the top. All right, guys, that's it. We're gonna definitely come back and give you a deep dives on all these guys, including the UDFA. So uh, please, thank you so much for sticking with us. Make sure you uh, follow us all on Twitter. I'm at McCoolBCB. John is at John Owning. Uh, we are together at Best Coast Boys. Special thanks as always to Mike Fisher. Uh, make sure you follow him at Fish Sports. We are back on iTunes now, so please, uh, on Apple Podcasts, go uh, subscribe as well. Uh, also, you can catch us all on Cowboys. Maybe that's si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Cowboys. Rate and review us. Leave five stars. Don't be a hater. Don't uh, be a hater. Don't do it. Uh, and until next time, uh, happy trails, everybody.